one aspect that uh, is sort of nested within there, and it's particularly probably the strangest line in the creed, is this line, he descended to the dead. So what does that mean? Uh, or you know, in some translations, it's he descended into hell. So we're going into some pretty weird and interesting territory this morning. <laughs> so yeah, it's a great, great morning to be a visitor, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's there, you know, it's in the creed. So we're going to look at it. And um, you know, I think you know, fundamentally, it's a strange idea. It's a strange, it's a strange line because it's a strange thing. Death. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hidden reality. When when someone goes into the ground. We don't know what happens there. It's this kind of cutting off and this, yeah, it's this mystery, I suppose. Our knowledge and our certainty at that point goes dark. Nobody can say what it's like at that point. Um, so it's a mysterious thing. And yet the, this, this great tradition that we've inherited, it, it forces us to, to wrestle with it, uh, to think about what is the space between cross and resurrection? What is the space between life and and the life to come. So, uh, yeah, I think it's um, it's an important message. Obviously, it's also one that we probably think about either consciously or subconsciously. Um, and it's something that I think we should all be curious about, like what will happen to me when I die. Um, so, if you're feeling dread right now, if you're feeling like, oh my goodness, I don't want to be talking about this topic, I think that you're in good company because everybody's afraid of death. Um, but I promise you that it's good news this morning. <coughs> I promise. So, yeah, this this line, he descended to the dead, or um, some translations is to Hades, and sometimes it's even to hell. Um, it's not been without controversy, even within the church and Christian theology. Queen Victoria apparently tried to get it removed from the from the creed because it was so strange. And other people have tried to kind of allegorize or spiritualize it as if, like, you know, the experience of of the cross was like hell. You know, it was hellish. That's what it means. Um, but I don't think that quite does justice to the simplicity of the language there. Um, so despite these attempts to get around it, there it is. It's in our creed. Um, and so unless we think we're smarter than the apostles, I don't think we should remove it. We should think about it. And the earliest the earliest Christians spoke Greek. Um, and so when they were confessing this creed as a kind of baptismal thing, they would have they would have said something more like he, he descended to the low place. Um, so this thing of death is not necessarily the original word they would have used, but this idea of the low place. So what is what is this low place? What did what did the Christians mean by that? Oh the Jews Jews of Jesus' time, Jesus was a Jew, the early Christians were Jews. Um and their cosmology and their way of thinking about the world, they had this sort of three tiered universe or three tiered cosmos with um heaven being the space for God it's this kind of unique space that's just for God and then earth or the kind of terrestrial space being for creatures and living things and then the place of the dead which is the Sheol um, this place of darkness and this shadowy dusty place of silence so there's no sense in the Old Testament that that Sheol or this place of the dead was a um, a place of punishment or anything like that. It was just a place of silence. There was this also not really an expectation that it would be a permanent place, a permanent state. It was a sense of a kind of 
holding place, a, a waiting place. However, um, <clears throat> yeah, throughout the sort of, through, over the years, um, there was more and more reflection on it, and um, we see it particularly in sort of Jewish Jewish writings of the time around Jesus and before Jesus that there's this growing interest in what happens in this place, what is this place, um, and this interest and sense of possibility about what what was to come after death, what was to come beyond death. Um, so David, um, the, you know, King David, the psalmist, he sort of understood this. I think he, he said, yeah, that God wouldn't abandon him into this place of the dead. <clears throat> His declaration about God was that he will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. So he believed that something was beyond death. Um, and this line, this sort of belief in life after death is also expressed in, in Daniel, um, another Old Testament prophet. He says, Many who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So uh, a growing sense that beyond death there was something, there was some kind of return. And that's where we start to see this development of this Jewish thinking of the life after death. And by the time you get to the New Testament, it's become a really hot topic. It's become really, really popular. Um, the question is on everybody's mind. Um, what will happen to the righteous? What will happen to the unrighteous? What's, where is it? What's going on? It was a, it's a fascination. Um, so it's Jesus himself, um, when we get to the Gospels, we see Jesus refers to it a lot. You know, it's, it's, it's all of a sudden something that he's talking about all the time. Um, perhaps most memorably in his parable um, that he tells of a rich man and a poor man who die and what happens to them in the place of the dead. He says, you know, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. So this is a kind of place of comfort. And then uh, the rich man in Hades, where he was in torment, looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So this is just a parable. It's not necessarily like a... Um, watertight theology of what happens after you die. But Jesus is telling a story, and it's not about life after death. It's really about justice. It's about how we treat the poor. But the point is that Jesus uses these common ideas that are in people's minds at the time about this place where at the bosom of Abraham, the, the poor man is finally receiving his consolation, and the rich man is, is receiving his just desserts. Um, and then again, um, in Luke again, when Jesus is, is being crucified, um, and the criminal beside him is also being crucified, says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus Jesus answers him, truly today you will be with me in paradise. So there's a sense that um, that in death Jesus is saying, you'll be where I'm going. So we're interested in where that is, aren't we? We want to know what that, what that is. And the, the literal word paradise just means in the garden, which is kind of an interesting thing as well. So Jesus is saying, when you die, you'll be with me in the garden, because that's what paradise in the in the ancient world was. It was a it was a garden. So um, we can yeah conclude I think with some confidence that um, when Jesus when, in the creed where it talks about descent into the dead, it's talking about some of these ideas. It's talking about um, this idea of a place where where there'll be um, we'll be received and um, 
and it won't be the final word. Um, the New Testament explains the, the, this descent of Jesus into the place of the dead in three ways. So, so the first way it kind of explains it is that um, it mean, uh, Jesus' descent into the dead means that no matter what evil thing someone has done in their life, um, Jesus goes to them and, and, and preaches to them. So that comes from a, a part of First Peter. But um, it talks about Jesus going and making a proclamation to imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. So Jesus, when Jesus died, uh, when he was crucified and died, he went, as, as Peter says, to this place where all of the dead were. And he said, you know, all of the dead, all of the wicked, everybody, and he, he shared the good news. He, he, he preached to the imprisoned spirits. Just kind of an interesting thought, but it's also kind of beautiful, isn't it? It's that thing that Jesus, no, no, nobody misses out. Nobody misses out on hearing Jesus' message. Nobody misses out on encountering him. The second function um, of Jesus' descent was that he released the saints who had been who had died. So, um, so Paul cryptically refers to this in the letter to the Ephesians where he talks about Jesus ascending from the depths with many captives um, alongside him. So there's a sense that Jesus goes down and he, as he goes down into death, he encounters all of the, the, the good and the bad. He gives, he gives them opportunity to come with him, to, to, to not stay in the place of the dead. It's mysterious stuff, but this is just what's in our Bible. Um, the third function of Jesus' descent is that the power of death itself, um, if you like, deaths, death as a holding place and the, the being caught in death, this power of death is broken. Jesus, Jesus breaks it um, and its finality is broken. So, so Jesus is described in the book of Revelation as holding the keys of death and Hades. In a sense, it's sort of a metaphor that the, 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 the prison of death is no longer locked. Jesus has the keys and he's opened the doors. So I think what all this means for us um, when we think about what, what happens when we die is that we can be assured that we'll be received by Jesus directly. The story of the, the stoning of the first Christian martyr, Stephen, um, is illustrative of this as he's, as he's being, as they're sort of throwing stones at him and as he's dying, he sees Jesus and he says to Jesus, Lord, receive my spirit, or Jesus, receive my spirit. So um, the significance is that, that Stephen is welcomed into the presence of Jesus as he dies. So, um, yeah, rather than being lost in the dark. So on the one hand, I think, you know, this is all, I think, you know, good news. It's undoubtedly good news, isn't it, that we're not abandoned at the point of our death. Um, but you know, I'm also aware that theology is sometimes cold comfort for people who are actually experiencing these things. Um, it's all good to have a kind of theological grid in our head, but what about to be with someone who's dying? What about to, uh, and what about those who, for whom death is sort of an imminent thing? Um, because I think so much of our lives are arranged in a way that we we don't think about death. We we do everything we can to push it away. We sweep it under the rug. Our consumer society is, in a sense, is is built on on this um, death denial. Um, and to get rid of anything that's decaying and anything that reminds us of, of death because we've 
we're terrified at the prospect of death. Um, so I guess in a sense, what I'm, what I'm offering this morning is that we have a neat theological grid, but I think we also, more importantly, we have a relationship with, with the one who's been through death. And I think that is really what, what fills me with faith, what fills me with hope in the thought of this stuff. Knowing that Jesus is faithful now and knowing that he will be faithful no matter what happens is what gives me confidence. Um, it's important to have our theology squared up, but it's also important that we know Jesus now, it's, you know that we know his goodness, we experience his goodness. Um, and there's a woman, Mother Maria of Paris, who exemplifies this, I think. She she lived a life of radical hospitality. That's not her, by the way. That's just a picture of um, Madonna and child. But um, <laughs> she lived during um, World War II. So she, she was in France, and she was in the Orthodox Church, and she made her life uh, an act of service by supporting Jews who were trying to escape the Gestapo by giving them falsified certificates saying that they are members of this Orthodox Church. And in the end, you know, the, she got caught and she got sent away and um, executed. And actually got executed on Easter Saturday, 1945. So she was, in addition to this, she was also a prolific writer and, and lots of her writings have survived. And she reflected on, on the experience of the death of one of her own children. And this is what she wrote. She says, Into the black yawning grave fly all hopes, plans, habits, calculations, and above all, meaning. The meaning of life. Meaning has lost its meaning. And another incomprehensible meaning has caused wings to grow at one's back. And I think that anyone who has had this experience of eternity, if only once, who has understood the way he is going, if only once, who has seen the one who goes before him, if only once, such a person will find it hard to turn aside from this path. To him, all comfort will seem ephemeral, all treasure valueless, all companions unnecessary, if amongst them he fails to see the one companion carrying his cross. So I think what she's saying is, in the, in the, in the face of the grave, we know that there's no words of comfort that we can receive except to know that the one who has gone before us has carried his cross and has, has, has already been there. Um, because Jesus suffered the same fate ultimately that, that lies before each of us. His body was surrendered to the grave and he entered the domain of death. He didn't just look like he died. It wasn't just a presentation of death. He truly died. And he went right into death. But the difference is Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose. And now he offers us his life at the point of our death. Or as the writer to the Hebrew puts it, Jesus suffered death in the fullest sense so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So even if you're still you know, unconvinced about the, the where and the how of death, I think that's okay. Um, you can believe that, as long as you can believe that wherever, wherever death goes, Jesus has been there. And whatever death feels like, Jesus has felt that. 
and that he's gone down as far as we've fallen, and he has returned with the keys of death in his hand. So that's the good news, I think. And Jesus' descent has found beautiful, beautiful expression in um, Christian art over the years. Um, one of my favourites is this icon. Uh, it's, I think it's called the Harrowing of Hades, which is, um, shows Jesus standing over the abyss. So the blackness is the, is the abyss of death. And, um, and the white thing that he's standing on are the broken doors, which he's, which he's broken down. And, um, and you can see, you probably can't really see it, but you can see there's a cross, a little cross. And, and if you follow the line of the cross, it goes down over Jesus' shoulder and it goes right down and it breaks into the, into the abyss and cracks those doors open. So it's his cross which breaks the doors of, of death. And he's holding Adam and Eve by the hand, so he's lifting Adam and Eve out of their place of death and he's taking them to be with him. And scattered on the floor, just down the bottom, you can see little locks and keys and stuff which have been... Yeah, which have symbolised that that this prison door is is no longer functioning, so so the doors are wide open now. And this, I think, is really beautifully summed up. Uh, I don't know if I uh, the lines of this hymn, um, the victory of the cross, which I'll read, and then and then we'll we'll kind of come to a close. <laughs> so this is the this is the lines from this this hymn called the victory of the cross. It says, and it's speaking from you know, a God's eye view. Hades saw the Lord and said to those in hell, Oh, my priests and oh, my powers, who has driven a spike into my heart? A wooden lance has just pierced me. I am torn in two. I feel it terribly. My breath is a whirlwind. My insides burn. My belly churns in pain. I am forced to vomit forth Adam and Adam's people who were deposited with me because of a tree. But now a tree is leading them on the return to paradise. So, yeah, hopefully that's <laughs> good news for us, you know, that, that, um, that whatever death holds, whatever it is, um, Jesus' cross has broken it. And the tree which got us in trouble is now the tree which gets us out of trouble. So... Some thoughts to think on, maybe, um, as we wind our way through the creed. But um, why don't we just stand and um, let's pray, and we're going to see what God wants to do next.